Uh, good to be with you guys. How many of you have something to be joyful about? Yes, me too. Oh, there's at least three of us who are saved in the room. <laughs> Everybody else, I'm changing the message, salvation message today. How many of you have something to be joyful about? <laughs> That's right, we do. Jesus is our King, our Lord, our Savior. That is something to be joyful about. I want to share. Becky, your mom told me I could share a testimony about your healing. Are you okay with that? <laughs> she told me it was okay. And I was like, well, mom says it's okay. It's okay. So let me share. Does anyone want to hear a cool testimony? Yeah, me too. This is so great. So, um, Becky and Loretta went to uh, Brookings to the women's conference this last weekend, Friday, Saturday. And at one point, they, they, I'm retelling the story as best as I can, there was, they did something called a fire tunnel. It's just a really fun way to pray for people where they have all the ministry people lining up and they got to put their hands like this and like this and then people go underneath it and they're praying for them, you know, call it a fire tunnel. Anyway, and... As Becky was going through the fire tunnel, she asked the Lord to heal her of her allergy to soy. She has a quite severe allergy to soy. She has to carry an EpiPen, EpiPen with her even, because it causes her throat to constrict, close up. And she's, she's, she's saying everything is right here so far. <laughs> if it's a major detail, just say, eh, lying, not right, and then we'll just correct it. And so she gets through there, and she's like, you know, I want to test this out. I want to test it out. She didn't have her EpiPen with her at the moment. Now, we're not saying go try this at home, guys, but let's just share the testimony because I am so excited about this. So she went over to the food table, picked something up that she knew had soy in it, and ate it. And was okay. She's here. She's alive. (laughs) And she's like, oh, my, no reaction. And then she looked at her mom, and she's like, I haven't eaten Chinese food in five years because... If anyone, you walk into a Chinese food restaurant, you can smell the soy. It's so thick, right? You're swimming in soy every time you eat Chinese. And so her mom said, okay, let's go and have Chinese. And she ate Chinese, all the soy in the world. No reaction. Let's give our God an amazing hand clap of praise, right? Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. I encourage you, if you have an allergy in this room, just go ahead and take it by faith. Take the healing by faith. We just released a testimony. God's good, and he heals allergies. So if you have an allergy, just lift your hand up right now to the Lord. And Lord, right now, I thank you, Father, for multiplied miracles in the room. Do it again. Do it again. We speak to allergies to go right now in Jesus' name and for healing to come into people's bodies right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. My kids are laughing at me. Did I say something wrong? They usually later on tell me what I said wrong and weird. And actually, this is a true story. My son has a note on his phone of stupid things I've said during sermons. He, t- he types them in there, keeps it saved. It's an ongoing list. And he brings it up periodically at family dinners and starts reading to me all the things that I said that are ridiculous. So I don't, because it's not, obviously, my, I'm not, the, this is not my proudest moments. <laughs> oh, goodness. Kids will humble you. They'll just keep you humble 
forever. Welcome to parenthood and the walk of humility before the Lord. <laughs> Are you ready for one more miracle? I've got to share one more testimony. Okay, last week, Brian, I didn't ask either, but I want to share about, is this okay? Okay. Last week, Brian was having shoulder problems, shoulder pain. Come on up here, Brian. Tell us what, we got a, we got a, I don't want to call it a half miracle. We have 50% improvement on something, and we're just going to worship Jesus wildly for that in a minute. Tell us what was going on. I don't know if it's just getting older or <laughs> just going like this hurts. And uh, It's half, it's twice as good as, as it was. It's yeah. 50%? Yes. 50%. Yeah. But I've been thinking, you know, Lord, my feet are halfway healed too. <laughs> <laughs> we need to finish this up, don't we? Yeah, let's... <laughs> Let's, because uh, I'm really not supposed to be walking around. I mean, they gave me a bad report of what my future was supposed to be like. But, uh, but I've just been praying, you know, God, uh, let's uh, continue right. the healing mm-hmm. and uh, stay faithful. I mean, attitudes, everything. Yeah. Um, you're reminded of your injury every morning you wake up. But once I get fired up, I I walk almost normal. But. Uh, I know I had a bad, I worked too hard yesterday if I have to hang on to the dresser and the bed. <laughs> but last week, yeah, last week, you felt like a, a, a healing started. Your shoulder yes. That was made it 50% better. Yes. Okay. So if this was you and you were in pain and 50% of your pain left, would you be grateful? You guys, if we will thank him. For everything he does, we will have more happen among us. Right now, I want you to stand to your feet. We are going to thank Jesus for the pain that was released last week off of Brian's shoulder. And we're going to worship you, Jesus. Lift up your hands like we just saw someone be raised from the dead. Lord, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that you would touch us. We are so grateful that you would relieve us from pain. We are so grateful for the finished work on the cross. We worship you for this miracle, Lord. We worship you that Brian is walking. We worship you that he can do his chores and have animals and have a working farm. We thank you, Lord, for the pain that was released yesterday off of his shoulder. We worship you. Worship him with your voice, guys. We worship you, Lord. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. From the depths of our being, God, we're so grateful for your work among us, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks, Brian. You know what? We just demonstrated how we are to react when God touches our life, when he does everything we want, and when he does just a couple things that we're asking for. He's so good. So good. All right. On that note, we're going to talk about wildernesses. Isn't that fun? I bet you've all been through one before. We're going to talk about how to maneuver through wilderness seasons. There are multiple times in the Bible that we see people being placed into a wilderness, sometimes called by the Spirit to actually enter into a wilderness. Sometimes the Lord took them through and just said, this is the way, this is what you got to go through. But um, 
in a literal wilderness, like in the Bible, was a barren, lonely place. It was literally a barren, lonely place. Not many would choose to actually live in a wilderness because there wasn't a lot of natural resources in the wilderness. It was barren. It was dry. It was lonely. And so in our own life, though, this is a prophetic picture of times when we have to go through or we find ourselves going through wilderness circumstances. Sometimes those wildernesses are literally circumstantial. We go through trials, loss, seasons of grief, seasons where we feel failure, unexpected situations come up, persecution arises against us. All of these can be called a wilderness season. They're circumstances, right? It's a circumstantial wilderness. It's like the circumstances have driven us to this place where we're like, whoo, I don't really want to be here, right? But there's also the wilderness of the soul where maybe the circumstances around you really are fine. You're not being persecuted. You're not losing your house. You haven't lost your job. Yet in your soul, for whatever reason, you feel this distance from God. Maybe it's hard to discern his presence or his voice. Maybe your heart feels dry and hard and it's painful and you're yearning for this deep connect with the Lord and for whatever reason feeling like you're in a barren place spiritually and dry. Has anyone ever experienced this? Yeah. You could call it the wilderness of the soul. Well, Israel is... We know that when Jesus, or when the Lord, rescued them from Egypt, he took them through the wilderness. And he was taking them to the promised land, right? The land of Canaan that he had promised to Abraham, their great, great, great descendant. All Your descendants will own this property, own this country. Jeff's been talking about the covenant to Abraham, Right? And God himself took Israel through the wilderness to get there. This journey could take about 11 days to travel through. But there was like several million of them. And the Lord ordained that it would take a year. A year. They, he, had, he had certain things he wanted to accomplish in that one year in the nation of Israel as they traveled through the wilderness. He took them to Sinai. You remember, he gave the Ten Commandments and all the law to Moses. He he had them build the tabernacle and and basically install all of the the Levites and the priestly duties and the sacrificial system. He was establishing during this year how he wanted them to worship him, who he was to them, um, his faithfulness to them. And he did it through taking them through a wilderness, right? Well, somehow Israel, well, we know somehow, we know it. They took a one-year, what was meant to be a one-year wilderness journey and turned it into 40. We do not want to do that with our life. Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen? Can I just get like, teach me what you want to teach me, Lord, so we don't have to do this for 40 years. I don't want to wander around the same mountain in the wilderness For five years, not getting any lessons learned, right? So we know that because of Israel, because of the way they questioned God's character, because they could not 
understand his intentions, his very good intentions towards them. Because of their disobedience, Hebrews 3 says, the whole generation did not enter into the promised land because they were disobedient and unbelieving, lack of faith. And for all of these reasons, I think we have a great motivation to learn how to handle wilderness seasons. Don't you think? We have a great motivation. We can look at Israel and say, I have a, I'm motivated when I go through a wilderness. God, I want to deal with it correctly so that my one-month wilderness doesn't have to be 10 years, right? Or you name it. So I want to look. I actually think, I'm afraid to say it out loud. Maybe I shouldn't. I think we're going to preach three messages on this. It's non-committal, okay? It's committed, not committed. On um, three weeks on the wilderness, looking today at Israel then looking at Jesus' trip into the wilderness for 40 days and looking at John the Baptist's season in the wilderness as a preparation for his ministry. If I don't, it's a really good study, and you should get the notes from me, but I think I'm going to do it. Let's get Deuteronomy chapter 8 up here, 1 through 3. Sorry, your notes are blank today, so I encourage you to get a pen, get your Bible out, Take some notes on your own. Your handout, I should say, has lots of space for it. Here we have Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. I encourage you to read along silently as I read it. This, let me tell you guys, this passage in Deuteronomy is after Israel's 40 years of wandering, okay? Actually, we're just going to leave the lights on because I think we can read it and it does better for the camera. So we'll just leave the lights on. Um, Because welcome all of you on the live stream. We love you all. We're glad you're here. So after Israel has wandered for 40 years in the wilderness and, and literally the Lord said all the generation that didn't believe had to die in the wilderness before they, the Lord would then bring the next generation into the wilderness. Can you remember? Can you imagine what what it was like when the old, the last old guy was on his deathbed? <laughs> sigh, sigh. I know we love you, Grandpa, but we just bless you to go be with the Lord. <laughs> we got to get our promises. I'm just teasing, of course. I don't know what it was like, but after that 40 years, it's time now again. For this next generation, the Lord's going to lead them into the promised land. And here's his instructions. Starting in verse 1. Be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Then you will live and multiply. And you will enter and occupy the land swore to give, um, I swore to give your ancestors. So I won't preach on it, but isn't that beautiful? The, all the promises God gives you, you're to live and multiply. They're to multiply you're to live in them, you're to fill them up, and you're to occupy it. It's beautiful. And then verse 2, it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you 
that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Let's just pray right now. Just bow your heads. Lord, we just ask that this word would go so deep in our being, Lord. Lord, we want to know the works, workings of God among us and how to cooperate with you, Jesus, in this learning and living process, Jesus. You're so good. Amen. So as we're talking about how to maneuver through wilderness seasons, the first thing that stands out to me that I I want to point out in this passage is that the Lord says in verse 2, remember. Remember. So Israel's about ready to cross into their promised land, which is not a path of no resistance. They're about ready to engage in battles and wars. They're going to have to obey the Lord explicitly when he tells them, don't take any plunder burn it all, or whatever he tells them to do. This is not like, oh, they're about ready to walk into Easyville here. They're about ready to enter into a season of great battle, actually, but it's, it's now battle that's going to be occupying what he, what he told them that he's going to occupy. And so going into that, the, what does the Lord say? Remember. Remember. I don't know about you, but I can just get absolute amnesia. I can get into a difficult place, and I can't remember one thing God's ever done for me. I'm like, Lord, I know that you've come through for me before. I just can't actually remember anything right now. Can anyone relate to it? Yes, of course. It is so important, though, that Israel knew their story, that they knew their own storyline with God. All the times God had come through for them. All the times that God had brought water from a rock and turned the the, the dew to manna, a bread that they could eat. All the times that he protected them. The ways that he parted the Red Sea. They needed to know their story. They needed to know the story of God's faithfulness to them. It would carry them through the next season. And let me tell you, every wilderness season you ever go through, you come out with a testimony. What is your testimony? The testimony is the story of God's faithfulness in your life. What's your testimony? I don't just mean how did you give your life to Jesus when you were five years old. What about the testimony of God's faithfulness to you throughout the generations, throughout the years of your life? the decades. You have a testimony and you're supposed to remember it. There are things I can walk through today in victory that would have crushed me 20 years ago. And one of the reasons is I have a lot of testimonies now of God's faithfulness. A lot of things to remember. Oh, Lord, we faced this before. I remember I remember how big you are. I remember how good you are. I remember how loving you are. I remember when you did miracles for me. I remember. I encourage you to write your story, 
Journal your testimonies. Write it down where you can go back and you can even look it over. Look at time. Write down when the Lord really opens up a scripture to you. Get a journal. Get an old tablet. Write down the verse. Write down what he showed you. Make it, make it a remembrance stone that you could go back and visit again. Israel had these remembrance stones. The Lord would give them a victory and they'd pile a bunch of rocks there and say, this pile of rocks is a testimony that the Lord uh, carried us through the Jordan River, that flood stage, which is about ready to happen after this passage here. Your testimony of God being faithful to you and coming through, it's like a remembrance stone. Every time you look at that rock, you're just going to say, oh, I remember that one. I remember God's miracle there. I remember I, I, thought, I thought my marriage was, was lost, and God sweeped in. I remember that. Or I thought... We weren't going to have enough. We thought we were going to lose the house. And then God came in. I remember when I was drowning and almost suffocating in shame and guilt. And God came in and spoke his truth. Know the story of God's grace being poured out on you. Remember. And it says this, remember what? In this case, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. I want to tell you four things that you need to know as you go through the wilderness. And I hope you take notes today. The first one is, four things you need to know as you walk through a wilderness season. Number one, God leads us. Period. God is leading your life. If you are in Christ, if you're not in Christ, if you, if you are not following Jesus, that's another story altogether. But for every person who's in Christ in this room, God leads your life. What does it say? It says, remember how the Lord led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. Even in the wilderness, the Lord was leading them. Do you remember fire by night, cloud by day? I propose to you the same God manifests himself to you. Fire by night, cloud by day. He actually puts his own spirit inside of you called the Holy Spirit, resides in you and leads you in victory, even in wilderness seasons, even in circumstances that you don't want to be in, times when you don't want to be there. God leads you. There is nowhere you can go that God has not gone before you. I have been just mulling on that one right there. There's nowhere I can go, God, that you haven't gone before me. That means when I fly to Thailand, it takes me five days to get there because I have cancellation after cancellation after cancellation. Then I'm there for two days, and all of a sudden I get sick, and I can't get out of bed for two days. And I'm thinking, I want to get out of this country. I don't even want to be here. I don't know why this isn't what I signed up for. There's nowhere that I can go that you have not gone before me. You know, the beginning from the end, my God is a God that comes through I'm telling you, we have to know he's leading us because when you're in the wilderness, it won't feel like it. Like when we're in the wilderness, everything feels wrong. 
Our emotions feel wrong. We maybe feel dry. We feel distanced from the Lord. Or the circumstances are crazy. Like, what in the world? I didn't sign up for this. A tragedy hits. Unexpected things happen. Don't worry. If you're in Christ, you're in really good hands. You're just, sometimes I, when things go all sideways and it kind of looks like the enemy is winning the day, I would like to say, I, re- I will say this out loud, I refuse to believe I'm in the hands of the devil. It's impossible. I am literally born again. The spirit of Christ literally lives inside of me. Not figuratively, literally lives inside of me. I am, I am his possession. I am owned by him. I am his daughter. You are his son. It is impossible for you to be in the hands of the devil. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Your life is in the hands of the Lord. He is leading you. Isn't that good? But here are the lies that come to us contrary to his word. When you're in the wilderness and you don't realize God's leading you, this is the lie. Where's God? Where's God? He's not here. He's not here, right? I'm alone. I feel lost. I feel like I'm failing. That is a lie. The truth is God will never leave you. He will never forsake you, especially in a wilderness season. Another truth is that all things will work together for your good. So the word says, even the trials, even tribulations, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We grab a hold of Jesus's word, his words, and we stand on it. It's our rock that cannot be moved in the wilderness. Second thing I want us to see out of Israel, what's happened to Israel here. If you're taking notes, the second thing you need to know as you're going through a wilderness season. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character. It says, yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to your ancestors. The second thing you need to know is God humbles us. The first is that God leads us, and the second is that God humbles us. I want you to have peace today. God is not trying to hurt your pride. He is out to kill it. I'll say it again. He's not just trying to hurt your pride. He's out to kill it. And wilderness seasons are humbling. You will never know the depth of your own need for God until you're put into a circumstance where he is your only solution. You'll, you, never, you can't know how much you need him until you're put into a circumstance where you need him. And that is humbling. Now, this might shake some of our doctrine, but it says here, he humbled Israel, well, how? By letting you go hungry 
Nobody likes to go hungry. Now, it wasn't by letting you die and starve. and I mean, it's hunger, okay? We can handle a little hunger, can't we, guys? But it doesn't feel good. It makes you feel, like, panicky, especially when in their state, they're in the middle of the wilderness, they don't know how the next meal is ever going to appear, right? But it says it was part of how he humbled them. He humbled them by letting them go hungry. And then what? And then feeding them the manna. Israel, for their own good, he says, I'm going to place you into a, a situation where you don't have a solution. And don't worry, I'm going to come through for you. But it's, you're going to feel so humbled. I'm telling you, when you get into situations where you don't have a solution, you should begin to worship the Lord for that. He just placed you into a, a situation where he's your only answer. Praise God. Don't we want to live where he's our only answer all the time? And we practice that by going through some wildernesses sometimes. Where, God, you're my only solution. And you need to remember in that moment, God... He is never your question. He's always your answer. He's never your problem. He's always your solution. You should say that out loud to yourself really often. I actually say it out loud when it looks like, when, I, when that little thing begins to well up in me, God, why aren't you acting? Why aren't you doing something right now? Why aren't you? I mean, it's natural, right? Sometimes we get into a place where we're like, God, why aren't you acting? Why aren't you moving like how I think you should move? And I will stop myself and I will say, God, you are not my question. You are my answer. And you are not my problem. You are my solution. It immediately puts your mind into praise. Puts your mind into worship. I believe this humbling really goes right along with the next thing you need to know when you go through a wilderness season is that God will test us. Let's look at it right here. It says, remember how the Lord led you through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling you and testing you. And now why did he test God? Tests? I think so. Testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry, then feeding you with manna. So God tested Israel to prove their character. Do you know that God loves you so much that he won't give you a blessing if it's going to destroy you? I really, really, really loved Malachi when he was three years old. I couldn't have loved him anymore. But it wasn't the right moment to give him the car keys. Right? He needed, he needed to be tested a little more. He needed a little more maturity under him, right? So the Lord tested Israel. You know, there are many things we cry out to God for, and sometimes we think, I've got this promise, but the Lord will give you promises that he, he knows it's going to take a little while for you to grow into this one. And don't get frustrated by it. 
Maybe you've been feeling like there's, there's a promise you have of influence. How many of you want influence? Influence is, uh, influence is powerful. Influence is, I mean, I see influence as like if God gives me influence in someone's life, I have then the ability to speak about Christ to them in a way that maybe someone else didn't. I, that's amazing, right? But you know that influence, the blessing of influence, given to someone who doesn't have proven character, destroys them. It crushes them. I tell you what, I think looking at some of the stories of Hollywood movie stars is such a dramatic illustration of this. You know, they just set out for an acting career, maybe, maybe a dream of fame or maybe just a dream of, like, doing what they love to do and getting paid for it, you know? And somebody strikes it, like, super famous, goes from unknown to stardom in one film, in one casting role. And all of a sudden, that person has a platform and a, a level of influence over millions and millions and millions of people. And we read the testimonies, we hear their stories all the time, driving them to drug abuse, the pressure driving them to alcoholism, literally ruining their life through the pressure of the blessing of influence. Influence can be a blessing, right? I think fame would be awful. I hope God never has that in my life. I mean... Whatever he wants, I'll do it. But, I mean, it would be a cross to bear. I mean, can you imagine not being able to go out to eat without someone asking for interrupting your meal or asking for an autograph or imagining, always imagining that you're a certain way when they don't even know you because they saw your picture in People magazine? I mean, oh, yikes. What a burden, right? So the Lord knew what he had for Israel was so great. He wanted to, first of all, they were to be his chosen people among all the earth. They had this assignment to carry the truth of God, the grace of God, to carry it through generations until Christ would be birthed through that lineage, through that nation, who would be the ultimate savior. They, they had such a destiny. And the Lord's like, I'm putting you in the wilderness to prove your character, to test your character. You know, another great example is, is if, I ra- if I had you raise your hand and say, how many of you would like to be wealthy in this room? I'd rather be wealthy than poor. <laughs> Poverty can test your character too, right? Yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, I mean, none of us like financial struggle, right? And there may be some of you that feel like you have a promise of great wealth that you have a promise and a dream to steward that for the kingdom. I hope you do. I, I hope the Lord produces millions, millionaires in this room that can steward this for the kingdom of God, right? But wealth given to someone without character destroys them. It destroys them. 
So if that is your, if that is something that you feel like this is, I think the Lord wants to bless every single one, more than enough blessing. So you can be a blessing to others, guys. I honestly, this is something Jeff and I stand on. We pray into, we believe God for. We don't, we want to be the head, not the tail. We want to be the one to be the blessing in every situation, you have something to give. I mean, I, I, I'm not discouraging you at all from having this vision, but I'm saying let the Lord take you into the process of proving your character, of humbling you and testing your character. And then when you fail, you repent and say, okay, I'm going to do that better that time, next time, Lord. Give me another try at this. And he works with us so that our destinies don't crush us, so that our callings don't destroy us, Right? beautiful. And even Israel, when they were about ready to go in later, just a few verses later, it's the Lord says, and when I bless you in the land, I promised, don't forget me. He's addressing this. He's saying, you got to have great character because you're about ready to get blessed wildly beyond your greatest measure. You're not going to need me to produce the manna off the ground anymore. You're going to have a way to supply your own manna so to speak. Probably what they wanted, yet they also had the opportunity then to become self-reliant, to not trust on God anymore, to become their own provider. And the Lord's like, wait, when you get there and when you get blessed by me, don't forget me. And it specifically says, don't become prideful. Isn't that interesting? All right. Number four. As you go through the wilderness, you have to know that God is teaching you. He's testing you, but he's also teaching you. What does it say in verse 3? It says, He humbled you by letting you go hungry and feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to your ancestors. He did this to teach you. Now, when you're the one that's going hungry, it's hard to realize in the moment there's a lesson in it, isn't there? You're like, God, what are you doing? Where are you at? I just need your provision. He's like, don't worry. Thanks for crying out to me. Now I'm going to provide for you. So now you've humbled yourself, cried out to the Lord. He's provided. But the whole thing was a big teaching lesson. The whole process of them having a need, humbling themselves, crying out to the Lord, the Lord providing, all of it was a lesson. All of it was something he was teaching. And in this instance, what is he teaching? He's teaching you that people do not live by bread alone, rather by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is still the lesson he's teaching us today. You don't go by what you see. You walk by faith in Jesus Christ and his word. Right? See, the lessons that we live, the lesson is that we live by God's promises. His word trumps our circumstances, period. His word trumps anything you're experiencing right now. And that's what he was teaching Israel. What does it mean? You don't live by bread alone. Meaning like, no, 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 guys, it doesn't matter what you see, even if you don't see that you have bread. If I told you I was going to provide bread, live by my word, not by what you see. Don't live by your daily little needs up and down like a roller coaster. I have everything I need today. I got a bill I didn't realize was coming in. I'm going to die. Woo, we're great. We're amazing. We have everything we need. 
my kid just went off the rails. I'm going to die. You know what I mean? It's like we weren't meant to live like this. You don't have to live like this if we don't live by bread alone or circumstances, but we live by God's word. We just have to go, what does the word say? 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 <laughs> right? Let me give you some examples. You can go ahead and turn that off just because I, I can't stand in front of the light. The light blinds me. You know, the first oh, so long, first years and years of our marriage, Jeff and I got married. You've heard this story. We got married young. I mean, we were young. 19, we were 20. We were in, after our freshman year of college, we both finished in four years. So we, we were going to school full-time, working part-time for minimum wage campus jobs at our, our, at our college, at the Bible college we went to. So back then, I think it's $4 an hour, for something an hour. Yes, there was a day. Minimum wage was for something an hour. These people that complain about 15 bucks, I'm like, you guys. <laughs> McDonald's. 14-year-olds get hired at McDonald's and make $15 an hour. It's amazing. I'm envious of you, Gilbert. <laughs> Not really. Um, so in the early years, so much struggle around finances. So much struggle around paying the bills and just staying um, in place of peace. And this huge themes for about a, a theme for about a decade of my life was something unexpected would happen. We'd have to use all the money for that, and then we wouldn't have money for something else. I would panic, freak out, like flesh out ugly, terrible, total fear, fall on my face before the Lord. God, don't you see me? I was also learning a little bit about God as Father. That wasn't like fully, completely. I didn't completely understand. I'll connect all the things about how he loves us as a dad and would provide for us. And so I freak out, and then he would do a miracle. And then I'd be like, oh, you see me. You're amazing. Thank you, God. Alternator fixed. Thank you, God. Furnace now is fixed. Whatever it was, right? And then a month or two later, something would happen. I would freak out, fall on my face before the Lord. God would supernaturally provide. It would all work out. For about 10 years, I went around that desert. <laughs> I think the Lord was just like, I just know one more trip around the mountain, Autumn, you're going to get it. We're just going to go around Mount Sinai just one more time. Just another year. Just another year wandering in this particular wilderness for you. Before, and I, I mean, I know God's still working things in me. But in this area, I know his faithfulness. I know his faithfulness. You know, we don't know sometimes where God's taking us when we're in a wilderness. We don't know the, the lessons we're learning that we're really going to need for the future. We, just, we can't even see it at the time. All we can see is, I don't like this. Why can't we get a better job? Why can't I be like everybody else who just like pays their bills and has a little groceries? You know what I mean? Whatever it is at the time that felt like, you know, it felt, but God was teaching me. And you know what? He was giving me and Jeff this history in him. I care about every part of your life, Autumn. 
I care about your socks not having holes in them. You've heard the story. All my socks had holes in them, guys. Because I have this unusually large big toe that points up. <sighs> Always, since I was young, I know it might, I would seriously wear a full size smaller in shoes if I did not have this monstrous big toe that protrudes past the end of the rest of my toes. I love my feet. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to self-hate on them. I'm just saying they are what they are. They're huge. And the big toe is so large. And it points up, and it just burrows a hole right through every pair of my socks. And so here we were, 20 years old, and Autumn started wearing all of her socks on the opposite feet so that I would... And if you wear tube socks, they really get shaped a certain way. It's really uncomfortable to put them on the other feet, right? But then I could start burrowing a hole through the opposite side of the sock until every pair of socks I had has holes in them. My, my toe would slip through the hole, like, and I'm like, you know, you're trying to get your toe out of that hole while you're wearing shoes. It really feels like your, your toe's in a trap. <laughs> oh, it's, oh it's, in the, it's in the hole again. Get it over <laughs> This was the daily. I know, first world problems, okay? It's a small thing, and I knew it was a small thing. But one day in frustration, I said to Jeff, I just really wish I could get new socks. And he always says the exact same thing. We'll go buy socks. And I said, well, honey, that means we can't have milk. You don't get milk if I get socks. No, I'm fine. Just keep going with it. And I just said, God, would you just give me some socks? A couple days later, I go to church. The pastor's wife comes up to me with, she's from India. (laughs) She's so sweet. She comes up to me with a um, wrapped, gift wrapped, like in gift wrapping, a little package. And she says, and she is so visibly embarrassed. And she says, I do not know why I'm even giving this to you. And then I also felt like she was thinking, like, why did I wrap it? I also felt like she was thinking that. Like, I was like, no, whatever it is, I'm sure it's beautiful. And she goes, no, I I literally, I don't even know why I would give this to you. And she gave it to me and walked away. And I opened it up, and it's a big package of socks. She found in her closet and said, I don't need these. You know, here I am 25 years later remembering he cares about my socks. You guys, are so many lessons that we don't want to miss in seasons of difficulty. Like he cares about your socks. He cares about what you eat. He cares about you getting rest. He cares about you having a vacation. When we first moved to Huron, it was pretty lean. We were planting the church. It's little kids. Abby was, um, when we moved here, she was three months old. Little Abby. And Malachi was two and a half. And a couple years in, we had just, it, things were really lean financially, really, really lean. We had just a bare bones salary, and then I had a little gig on the side selling something. Thank you for anyone who bought Signature Homestyles <laughs> 17 years ago, helping provide for our, our family. You know, we were just trying to be faithful to the Lord and, and it was year two of being in Huron, and we had not left the city except for 
to um, visit family, like in state. We had not left the city for two years. We couldn't afford it. My dad would always pay our gas, though, to go back to Midland. So we'd go back home to visit. But, I mean, taking any kind of family vacation, any trip. By, the, by this time, Abby was three and Malachi was five. And this little company that I worked for, they offered, like, you could earn a vacation through the company, you know? And I, I looked at that, and I said, it was to Disney World. I said, there's four of us. I feel like if I worked hard, we could earn two free vacations. And then you could pay for the other two. Now, we're talking... A couple years, we couldn't afford to go to Sioux Falls to spend the night as a family and have like a weekend away. And I just said to Jeff, I said, what if we did this? And he was like, let's do it. And we, uh, I, I don't know if the kids remember this or not. We made one of those little charts that you can color it in as you get the money, you know, like a th- thermostat, but it was a castle of Disney World and we would color it in as we got the money and we needed thousands we needed thousands I mean it was expensive even just to pay for the two extra I can't remember thousands though and we had a jar and we put money in the jar and we would color it in and we just begin to say God would you provide for us to do this thing that we would live just fine if we never did it right nobody's gonna die if they don't go to Disney World although it is the most magical place in the world. <laughs> Just put those mouse ears on. And <laughs> it's so fun. Some people hate it, but for an extrovert like me, I just love it. So, I mean, here we are, and we're just like, God, oh, I don't know how it would be a miracle. It would be a miracle. And my kids are running every $100 saved, every little bit of money. We would color it in until the day came and the Lord had provided. I think it was like $3,500 or whatever it was at the time for us to be able to go as a family to Disney World. And I remember sitting on the plane. I had brand new coloring books and brand new sharp crayons for the kids because I thought that would be kind of, was kind of exciting for them and just entertaining them on the plane. I'm sitting there and I'm coloring with Abby during the flight and the Holy Spirit speaks to me so clearly. This is so holy to me. I said, wow, Lord, this, this is holy. See, in a wilderness season of lack financially, the Lord, when we cried out to him, provided something so extravagant that I knew him as provider, that he cares about even that. And then in the midst of that is even teaching me about his holiness. Yeah, Autumn, coloring with your daughter and taking a vacation, I call it holy. You thought preaching was holy. That can be holy. You thought evangelism and discipleship were the only holy things. I say, loving on your own children and making memories, that's holy. I'll provide for that all day long. In wilderness seasons, when we can't provide for ourselves, whatever it is, emotional provision, financial provision, circumstances that can't line up, when you have to cry out to the Lord and he provides for you, there is a lesson learned that is supposed to carry with you for the rest of your life. Don't forget your lessons. Don't forget the things the Lord's taught you. Talk about them. Write them. Write them down. Cherish them as a family. Do you remember when? Sometimes with our kids, I'll say, hey, do you guys remember we went on that ministry trip to Italy and we only had enough money for three days and we just went? (laughs) True story. True story. I said, well, we have enough 
money for the first three days of our ministry trip. And I said, God, what are you going to do? We already got the tickets. We're going. And he said one word to me, don't you dare act like a pauper. Go. Just go. I'm like, okay. I knew exactly what he meant. I can get into a really big certain kind of mode where it's all about me and how I can make something happen through my thriftiness. And so I'm like, okay, we're not going to go there. We're just going to, we're just going to trust the Lord. He provided, we came back with more money. We came back with money. It was like amazing. I was like, wow, God, we'll talk about it as a family. I'm like, don't forget these stories, kids. Don't forget God's your provider. Don't ever let your destiny be limited by what you think you can do. Whatever assignment God gives you, just say yes to it because man doesn't live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If God says it, it shall be. Praise the Lord. He's teaching us all the time. You know that the next, I'm just going to end on this. We're going to do a little worship. The next verse, which it's okay. You don't have to bring it up. But verse 4, after the Lord says all this about how we're to remember and how he led us and how he humbled us and he taught us, even in the wilderness, talking to Israel, then it says, because remember, he's telling them to remember, for all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. You know there's blessings in every season. Even the hardest seasons, even seasons full of grief, there are blessings straight from the hand of God. And in that season where they're wandering around in the desert, he's saying, I want you to remember, even though I had to teach you some things, because sometimes we think about discipline as like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat your little butt. <laughs> I'm going to discipline you. But discipline is teaching. As parents, we discipline our kids. Not all discipline looks like physical anger. I hope not. It looks like teaching. No, no, that's not right. This is right. Let's do it this way, right? And the Lord's like, even in that desert time, remember my goodness to you. Your clothes never wore out. Your feet never blistered. Your shoes never wore out. It's insane. He's so good. He's so good. Chad, could you come up here and... So what we're going to do this morning is I just want to take some time. We're just going to worship the Lord. I ended early. Praise the Lord. So that we could spend some time worshiping together. And also, if you are in a tough spot, feeling like you're in a wilderness of some sort, and I just want to have a time where we could pray for you. Where we could, and specifically, I'm going to ask... um, Shannon and Kim, would you be able to come up? You can just like come right over here if you don't mind, okay? Thank you so much. We're just going to, everyone stand to your feet right now. Thank you so much. There's two things. Uh, If you don't know the Lord, we're just going to worship the Lord, guys. So we're not, this isn't dismissing. We're going to worship the Lord for 10 minutes or so. But if you don't know the Lord... If you've never really given your life to him, I invite you to come up and just pray with one of these ladies. 
And you just tell them, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. And they'll pray with you, okay? And the second thing is, if you're going through a wilderness season, we're just going to worship the Lord as a congregation. But if you want prayer for that, I'd like you to come up. And ladies, what you're going to do is you're going to ask them, what are you coming up for prayer for? They're praying if they need the Lord to, for salvation, pray with them. But if they're going through a wilderness, then what I want you to do is I want you to ask the Lord for truth. What's your truth for this person? And just pray the truth. Because when we're in wilderness, we are just bombarded with the lies of the enemy. You're not alone. And guess what? There's nothing wrong with you because you go through a wilderness. Do you know Jesus went through wilderness? There was nothing wrong with him. Perfect son of man, son of God in the flesh, was in the desert for 40 days. So you being in a desert season doesn't mean there's one thing wrong with you, but we want to go through it in victory. And so if you need prayer because you feel like you're just going through something or if you want to give your life to Christ, I just encourage you to come on up and receive prayer. And rest of us, we're just going to worship the Lord. God, we love you. We thank you that you're the faithful God. You are our faithful God. And there's nowhere that we can go that you haven't gone before us. You absolutely lead us through every season of life through every wilderness, every mountaintop, and every valley of the shadow of death. There's nowhere we can go that you have not gone before us and that you're not with us. And Lord, right now, we just worship you for that.